And then the final thing I want to do before we get into the word is I want to invite Pastor Vera Speed up. Come on, Mama. So uh, Mama Vera is moving to Texas on Tuesday, uh, Innis, Texas, to go on and walk with the Lord in her next thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Mama Vera was there before the ark began for Suki and I. And uh, ever since we began the ark together and launched out and did all these crazy things, going through the first years of our marriage, uh, working through some of the challenges that go there in our personal life, being a covering for us for the ministry, she has just been like utterly crazy faithful, like our rock. And, you know, sometimes what God does is he sends people into your life to give you a tangible physical representation of him, that it's literally a reproducing of him in your life. And Mama Vera has just been that to many of us in this place. Um, I'll speak for Suki and I. We would, see, we would literally not be here without her. We would have burned out and got cooked out a long time ago, and our marriage wouldn't be as healthy as it is. And just, I, I mean, across the board, Mama, you have been Jesus to us. So thank you so much. And uh, do you want to say some stuff? Go for it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Besides, you can't leave. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think um, there's been no one more faithful to mm -hmm. Ryan and I. Um, every good thing besides Jesus that has been poured into me through love, through modeling, through good parenting has come from this woman. Mm -hmm. um, she has loved unconditionally with no care for self at times, has given abundantly, generously, time and time again, available at any time, any hour. She has been in so many ways our human rock through, um, through a lot of ups and downs in this ministry. And she, she was there before we were married. She was there to get us to the, to, to the wedding. And she kept us together <laughs> after the wedding. And she kept the, helped keep the church together. And she has been here faithfully, um, just without ever asking anything of us. And so we just want to honor her as she's moving to Texas. She's still going to be on our overseer board. She's still with us, but it's, it is different because she's getting launched into doing something, diff something else. She's not going to be just down the street from us, um, able to drive over and hug us whenever we need um, hug me whenever I need. Um, and so we just want to send her off and, and uh, bless her. I want to invite up any person um, who has been blessed and wants to just surround her up here. I want to ask you guys just to come on up, especially for those of you guys who have been here um, over six or seven years. Um, you guys got to see Mama a lot. So come on up, guys. whole church. Yeah. The whole church can come up. It's okay, too. <laughs> and um, it's really special. We have uh, Mary and Brian here. They're um, some of our missionaries from China. And Mary was here when the ark first started, so it's a real honor that she gets to be here. And Brian gets to be here on the day that we send off Mama. And Clarissa's here, and Serena, and a lot of the people who have been here from the very beginning. So, Father God, we just want to send off this amazing woman of God. She's more than just an amazing woman of God. She's our mama. She's our friend. She's, um, she's the ground that we stand on, you know. Um, she, her ceiling is our floor, and um, we just love her. And we just want to bless her, Lord God, as family. We want to send her with... Um, just a hedge of protection for blessing where she's going, God. I pray that where she's heading would be s even better than where she's been. Yeah. Right. You are um, 
You are our heart. You are our love. We just love you so much, Mama. Yeah, does anyone have uh, prayers that you want to? Lord, thank you for this amazing woman, God. And God, we just pray very practically that you would prepare the way for her, God. As she goes into this next journey, into this next chapter of her journey, God, I pray that you'd prepare everything for her, God. And even, God, uh, the loss of all of her items that has happened recently, we ask for the restoration of all things, God, that you would return back to her more than she lost because that's the type of God that you are. And so we just ask for your generosity to be made manifest over her life, God. And we bless her with joy, and we bless her with peace in you. We thank you for her. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. The sea of people is moving. So thank you for uh, bearing with us as we did that. Mama is some, someone super special to us, as you can imagine. So doing a little family business on, uh, on Sundays. It's not usual for us, but thanks for bearing with us. All right. So we are going to jump into the Word. Uh, we are going to continue on in Matthew. We've been going through the book of Matthew all year. We almost have one year under our belts in the book of Matthew. I know, right? That's pretty cool. And uh, turn to chapter 24. No, I'm just kidding. Turn to chapter 11. <laughs> We're going at a snail's pace, but who cares? This has been such a fun journey through the book of Matthew. Um, at some point, I'll do a recap of all that we've talked about. But from the very beginning of the book of Matthew, uh, it makes it very clear what the book is about, and that's that Jesus is the Messiah that the Jewish people have been waiting for. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one that all history has been waiting for to enter onto the scene to reveal the Father. And so right from the very beginning of the book of Matthew, we see these statements that show who he is and how he's completely unique in history and that he's come to perfectly reveal the Father and, and the will of God through his life. And... We're in chapter 11 here, and before we jump in, I want to tell you a couple of stories uh, from my life. Uh, I was reminded of these stories when we were singing that song uh, today that uh, goes, you're never going to let me down, you're never going to let me down, and I was just singing that saying, I love this song, but it has not been true in my life at all. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect that one, did you? If I'm being honest, I've been let down a bunch in my walk with God. Uh, so I, I want to keep the song because I like the song. It's a declaration of faith that I don't see clearly all the time, and I need some adjustment in my perspective. But, uh, but man, I, if I'm being honest here, uh, it hasn't been the, the Lord probably so much, so that part of it's accurate. But I've been let down as I've walked with God. I've been let down a bunch. Um, I remember when Suki and I were early in our marriage, uh, we got a prophetic word that we were going to have two kids. That was five and a half years before we had our first kid. And when you read in the Bible stories like Abraham and Sarah waiting for a long time to have a kid, even though Abraham is called the father of nations, there's stuff that God gives you head fakes. God thinks you're going, you thinks you're going in one direction, and then you realize that he's up to something else. And it happens a lot. And you read the Bible, and the stories are everywhere, but when you're living through it, it just feels different, right? When it's your fifth year holding on to a prophetic promise, trying your darndest to have children, and still coming up short, uh, it takes on a different thing. I remember when I was uh, just entering into UC Berkeley, I was going to this time where I started reading the scriptures everywhere about the love of God and just how active and real he would be in my life. And so I spent this time just praying and seeking God, saying, like, Lord, I want to know you that way. I want to know you that way. And I was continually disappointed by the revelation 
that I was given in that season. I wanted so much more, and I was putting my whole heart into every part of this pursuit of God. Like, I need to know who you are, and I know that I don't have any chance of finding you unless you reveal yourself to me. Would you reveal yourself to me? And sometimes those would lead to like these unbelievable experiences as of the wave of love of God just pouring over my, my mind and heart, and I'd end up crying in my bed. And then other times I'd go weeks, months praying that and fasting and feel like it was as dry as possibly could be. I was let down. Like, I was very let down. And it's a part of the Christian life. It is a part of the Christian life. Think about Peter and the disciples. They walk around with this dude for three years. He's doing this crazy stuff. He tells them he's going to die, but they don't really get it. And then he dies, and he's gone. And they're super confused. They're like, wait a second. I thought this was going to be the king that was going to reign forever. I'm so baffled. When he told us all that stuff about who he was or who he is, how does that reconcile with what I'm experiencing in my life right now? And here's the thing that I'd throw out. If you've been disappointed by the Lord, or maybe you're currently disappointed by the Lord, or maybe you're currently feeling let down, it's probably because you've trusted big. It's probably actually a sign that you've actually put some stake in God and said, no, I'm really going to hope big. And if you look at pretty much any of the heroes of the Bibles, they go through seasons where they're confused and they're disappointed, they don't know what happened, and they would say, wow, I'm really let down. I have no idea what's going on. One more biblical example, King David. The prophet comes and says, you're going to be king. He's like, yes, no more shepherding, right? (laughs) The next thing he experiences is the king coming to him, putting the crown on his head, putting him in his royal seat, and saying, you are king, well done, the next day. Absolutely not. He's chased by that king for 14 years. He He wants to kill him. He's hiding in caves. 14 years. 14 years. When you think about 14 years, right? Like 14 years of being chased after this word that God gives you of you're going to be king and you're going to rule for me and you're going to do great things in my name, etc. And then 14 years of being in caves? It's like crazy stuff. And so I love the song, but it kind of demands that you have a really long perspective on on what we're talking about, right? It's kind of like, well, I'm probably going to be let down in the short run. And if I look at the biblical heroes, a lot of them felt really let down in periods of their life. And so we're going to talk about one of those biblical heroes in Matthew chapter 11, someone who is very much experiencing a season of feeling let down. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 11. After Jesus had finished instructing the 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in towns of Galilee. When John, John the Baptist is referring to, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there is not not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law 
prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So we'll get into the confusing stuff at the end, but let's unpack this first part. In the beginning of Matthew, there's this crazy scene. It's in Matthew chapter 3, where John's out in the wilderness and he's baptizing people. And all of these people from all over the land are coming to John out into the wilderness to be baptized. And he says, I'll baptize you with water for the repentance, in repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all of these people are coming out because the, the religion that they're experiencing is not alive and fresh and it feels dead and they know that there's something wrong there. And so they go out to this weird guy dressed in camel's fur and a leather belt eating locusts and wild honey in the wilderness. Like you have to be pretty desperate to go out to a dude like that in the wilderness. And so they go out to him and they're being baptized in the Jordan River. Then Jesus rolls on the scene, and John is like floored. He says, this is the one that I've been telling you about. This is, the, this is the king. This is the Messiah. This is the one that I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie the sandals of this guy's shoes. I just baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm here. He's here. Like, there's just, like, not even a comparison. That's who this guy is. Starts pointing to people towards Jesus. His righteousness and his holiness get him in trouble. He's sitting before the most powerful man in the land, and he basically rebukes the guy because he married his brother's wife, I think is what it was. Is that right, Mama? Yeah, that's right. He marries his brother's wife, and John's like, what are you thinking of this wickedness? So the most powerful man in the land puts him in prison, throws him in jail. This is John sitting in jail. So what is going on in his, what happened between chapter 3 and chapter 11 to where this guy is full of boldness, lives this crazy lifestyle, is utterly convicted that Jesus is the one, to now sending a message through his disciples, are you the one or should we send somebody else? Like what is going on there? There's an interesting thing when Jesus responds to him and says, go tell him the stuff that I've been doing, and he lists off a bunch of things, one of the things that he lists off comes from Isaiah 61. He's referring back to a messianic passage in the, in the book of Isaiah that speaks of his coming. And then that, that passage says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness and, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Did you guys catch that? What was one of the things of the messianic promise? To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners? Who's a, who's a prisoner right now? Who's a captive right now? John, so I'll give you like the Ryan Longfield version. John is totally justified, right, in, 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 in his confusion. He's like, this is, I, I hear of your deeds. I see what you're doing. I saw the Spirit of God come down on you in the river and declare you the Son of God. Like, what happened? You need to read your Bible, Jesus, because you're, <laughs> you're not fulfilling the thing that's been promised over your life. You say that you're the one who releases captives, yet I sit here in prison. And so clearly John's having one of these moments where it's like, God, you call me the one who's the father of all nations, yet I have no children. God, you say that you're the healer, yet I'm still sick. God, you say that you're the provider, but I'm still super broke with no job. And it's like, John's having one of those days. You say that your love that swoops in by the power of your spirit and releases me from all depression, yet I sit here depressed. John is having one of those days. And it's, it's real for him. He's sitting in prison 
while he hears about the great works of the Messiah going on. And even in the passage, there's something interesting here. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he then sent his disciples to ask these questions. Jesus receives these questions, and he says, go back and tell them the deeds that I've been doing. And he's like, no, I get the deeds that you've been doing. That's why I'm asking the question. I get who you are, which is why I'm asking the question. It's, a, it's almost like a statement of faith. Like, help me understand what's going on here. And Jesus says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, hi baby, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. We've talked about this a ton in this church. Jesus can be a stumbling block. Jesus can be a stumbling block. There's a bunch of stuff that he does that is just like, I just don't get it. That is not the way I would do stuff. And what, in this case, what John was waiting for Jesus to be was the one who comes in great earthly power and overcomes the Roman kingdom that he's in bondage under. He's like, yes, I get that you're king eternal probably, but like, what about now, right? Like, what about now? Does that, does that affect now? Because if so, I'd like to get out of this place. And he's having a crisis of faith moment. I love Jesus' response. Because Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, gird up, man, and get your faith together. He reminds him of what he already knows. He says, hey, the blind are receiving sight. Rejoice. The good news is being preached to the poor. Rejoice. Right? He lists off all these things that's like, yeah, I know you're in prison, but look at what's going on. Look at what's going on. Don't doubt. Like, look, and look around you. Look and see all the amazing things. Look at the kingdom coming in force. And then my favorite part of this is he goes on, the next part in the passage, it's his moment to brag on John. This is probably John's worst day. Right? Like, are you the Messiah or are you not the Messiah? After this life of being super faithful and, and taking up a bunch of sacrifice, this is probably John's worst day. And then Jesus, after his disciples leave, he goes... Hey, let me tell you about who John was. Was he a prophet? Oh, he was much more than a prophet. He was the, he was the greatest up until now. And then he goes on, and this whole, this whole section is about who John was. And, and he says stuff like, he's the one that, I, that, that was sent to prepare the way for me. And then he says, check this out. He says, Yet whoever is least in the kingdom is greater than he. For the, since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. It's like, what does that mean? Park that for a second. But what Jesus is saying in simple terms is, there's crazy stuff in the kingdom going on right now. There's a lot of people entering the kingdom and experiencing the kingdom right now. In the context, he's applying that to John the Baptist. He's saying, like, don't miss what this guy has done. His job was to prepare a highway for me. That's what it says in Malachi chapter 3. He has prepared a highway for me. He was faithful. He did it. I told you that the kingdom of God was at hand, like it was close by. That's, that's been Jesus' message. That's been the good news. People are reaching out and they're grabbing it. The, pe the, the violent, the people that are serious about this, the people that are going after it, they're going after it and they're grabbing the kingdom right now. And all of that, that access, all of the highway that's been paved, that's this guy. And if you could even believe it, if you could even conjure up the belief, this is Elijah. This is the one that the Old Testament prophesied about that would come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. This is at the end of Malachi. It was like, 
400 years before Jesus stepped on the scene, and this was a huge thing that all of Israel was waiting for. It's like, when is Elijah going to come and restore the kingdom? And he goes, hey, you know that guy who's like doubting me right now, and I just sent his disciples back to reassure him? That's who this dude is. If you can even believe it, that's who this guy is. And I just love Jesus' response because it, it could have been something like, get yourself together. Like, haven't you heard the miracles that are going on? Like, get yourself together. Weren't you the one that was standing in the Jordan with me when the Spirit of God came down on me? And I kind of feel like sometimes for me, I've seen so many miracles, undeniable crazy miracles in my life from walking with God. But it doesn't mean I don't have bad days. It doesn't mean that something doesn't come and swipe me from the left side and go like, oh gosh, like, God, remind me who you are. Weak moment, God. Like, remind me who you are. And I love that Jesus' perspective on John in this is unshakable from this thing. He doesn't go, oh, he's a mere human and he's subject to lack of faith like all of you, you know, whatever. He reestablishes his importance and he brags on him. I'd like to propose to you that there's two types of disappointments. There's two types of, of things that happen in moments like these John the Baptist moments. There's, the first type is where you're misapplying who Jesus actually is. And then the second type is you're exactly applying who Jesus actually is. And you just need to wait. There's two different kinds, and you need to know with your relationship with the Spirit of God which one you're in because it makes a big difference on how you respond, right? Sometimes you, you face a disappointment, and what God is doing is he's unwinding your thinking and saying, you thought my primary thing was to be an earthly king, John the Baptist? That's not my primary thing. Check out the stuff that's going on right now. People are being born again and experiencing the kingdom, and my kingdom's going forth in all of these ways. People who have been under demonic oppression for years are being broken free and getting experience God and, and realize who God really is. And John's like, but I'm in prison. And he's like, but look at who the, look at what's going on, right? It's an adjustment in thinking. And so oftentimes what happens is God allows something to be offensive in your life, he allows Jesus to be a stumbling block in this sense because you need to change the way you think. And that if he didn't come and, and hit you and adjust you, you'd just continue on your whole life misunderstanding who he is. And not only would that be an idol that you had created in your own image, right? Like John just wants him to be the ruling warrior who takes over things. And he comes as the suffering servant. So John wants to kind of create him in, in the image that he thinks is best. But that would have been a subpar version of Jesus. Because it's not the real him. Right? And he's the best there is. And so every time there's an offense that goes on in our mind, there should be this thing that goes on like, okay, Holy Spirit, are you trying to adjust who Jesus is? Are you trying to adjust my thinking in, in terms of what it looks like to walk with him and what it looks like for him to reveal who God is? And I'll say, like, when these offenses happen, remind yourself, wow, it's because I'm putting a big stake in God. If I wasn't putting a big stake in God, I wouldn't be getting offended right now. Because I know plenty of Christians who never get offended by God. And the consistency there is that there's kind of just no expectation of him doing anything kind of real and like supernatural and like actually making a massive difference in life. And so John the Baptist is like the real deal. He's like, I've given everything to follow. I, I, I've, I ate locusts. <laughs> I lived in the desert. I sold my wardrobe and I kill the camel and whatever, you know, like. And so it's the ones 
It's the ones that go full force that end up getting offended. And Jesus says so clearly, he says, blessed are those who don't stumble over me. Blessed are the ones who aren't offended to the place of falling away because of these times. Because there will be times. And so that's, that's type number one of disappointment. It's a misapplication of who Jesus really is. You're holding on to something about him that's probably true, but not exactly true. He is the ruling king, but it doesn't look like what John thought it would look like. And sometimes he uses these moments to adjust. It's not usually to tear the whole thing down. It's usually like an adjustment. And then that small adjustment releases life and truth and power. Type number two is it's just not done yet. It's just not done yet. It's like Abraham understood exactly what the promise of God over his life was. It was to have a son and to be the father of many nations. And he had no son. He had no children. Right? The prophetic word that Suki and I got, it was to have kids. It was a good word. It just wasn't time yet. And so there's this like, this in-between place that often happens upon revelation of who God really is, and you know it's who God really is, to when that thing actually starts to express itself in your life. And there's a really interesting thing that happens here. In the first one, the invitation is to adjust. In the second one, the invitation is to refuse to adjust. Right? It's exactly the opposite response. In the first one, it's like, you need to tweak the way you think and, and see. In the second one, it's like, don't you dare tweak the way you think and see. <laughs> right? It's like the same type of offense, but depending upon what God's doing, it's a completely different response. You are thinking right. Just hold steady. Just keep the course. Just endure. The one that endures till the end will be saved. In this one, it's like, you're not living in the fullness. I want to adjust your thinking. I need you to let go of that thing that you've had hurt behind. You've had offense in. You need to let it go so that I can show you who I really am so that you can live in peace and that you can live in the love and the power that I want you to live in on this earth. Completely different responses based upon what, you're, what, what the Lord is doing in that particular situation. And here's the crazy thing. The only way that I know to discern between which one it is is the, is the Spirit. The only way to know is to go to God and go like, hey God, something is going on here. And I don't know whether it's this one or whether it's this one. Because it wouldn't be so offensive if I knew it was not you. Right? Like, these are the types of things, like when you get shaked on the adjustment side, it's usually something that's kind of a core belief. It's like, man, I really thought this was you. You know, it's not the light stuff. It's like, no, 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 this was like, this was a foundational principle for me, like it was for John the Baptist. The coming king, that's a foundational principle that I'm standing on. And so it's got to be God. It's got to be Jesus sending the message of like, no, you're hearing right. Don't be offended by me. Right? This is who I am. I'm tweaking the way you think. But it's got to be the Spirit of God, the one that's leading and guiding you to discern which one of these it is. And so the call is when you get, when you experience one of these, you, you get before the Lord and you go like, God, is this the kind where you sink your teeth in and you just refuse to change? Or is this the kind where it's an invitation for me to upgrade my perspective on you? Do I adjust or do I refuse to adjust? I'm going to touch on this second part, but I really felt like that was the thing that the Lord wanted to say to us today. 
So I'm going to continue on. But I want us to think about that. Like, what is the stuff? What's the stuff that's going on in our minds, in our hearts, where it's like, God, I just don't understand this. And maybe it's not a massive thing. Maybe it is a massive thing. But maybe it's just a small thing where it's like, God, I'm in enough to care. I'm in enough in this thing to care and to actually push through for answers. What John the Baptist didn't do was sit there and grumble in prison. He did exactly the right thing. He sent to Jesus and said, clarify my thinking. He did what Jesus tells the disciples to do whenever they're confused. Go to him and say, what the heck are you doing? They do ex- he does exactly the right thing. He collides with some stumbling block. He stubs his toe. He's offended and hurt, and he goes, what the heck is going on? I don't know, but Jesus does. I'm sending to Jesus. Disciples, go to Jesus. Ask them this question. Jesus comes back, and I believe that John was strengthened by what came back from Jesus. I believe that before he went to death, John was probably strengthened, and he's like, yes, got it. He is the one. He is the one that even though I'm confused and I don't get it, I'm, I, I, I'm anchoring my life on this. The second part is the kingdom of God is at hand. Seize it. There's this part of this passage that has to do with really going after the kingdom. And Jesus talks about this. He says, since the time that John's come, many have come in and they've taken the kingdom by force. The violent have come in and they've taken the kingdom by force. This is such weird language. Right, but the, the thing, the image that I get for this, the invitation that I get from God for this, is, is Jesus is standing there and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is right here. And some people go, I need that. I want that. That's what I need right now. I hear he's the one that the kingdom means that he heals leprosy. Man, I need that. I hear the kingdom is the one that I'm the victim of injustice, and I hear the one he's the breaks the bonds of injustice. I need that. And they're, they're, they're ferocious. They're vicious. They're like, I need this. And there's a fire that burns in them, and they're like, I'm going to push through any crowd to get to the feet of Jesus to find out who this guy is. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because the ones that have great need, those are also usually the ones that are like, I've been bleeding for 38 years and I'm going to push through this crowd, whether it's the last thing that I do, and I'm going to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. I don't have anywhere else to go. And so the rich young ruler can come to him and say, how do you inherit eternal life? And entertain these high philosophical things and then walk away disappointed by the answer but not the woman who's had blood for 38 years. She's like, this guy's amazing. I just need to get close enough that I can touch him and I believe that my life will be different forevermore. And so there's this thing that Jesus says, he's like, you know how John was supposed to create a highway for me? He created a highway for me, for the poor, for the hungry, for the people who are serious enough about this thing to violently push through and to ascertain to grab hold of the kingdom and say this is the thing that i'm going after everything and he says and john did his job people all over since john the baptist have been coming in and grabbing hold of the kingdom this person by faith the healing of their daughter this person the leper got close enough and just yelled out my name and experienced ridicule but still yelled out my name and this person did it the loss of their son and was calling upon god saying how did my son die and i went and i raised that son from the dead there's like all of these different expressions as to what the kingdom has looked like from these people violently ascertaining it but the same thing is true about them all They experience the power of God. They experience Jesus' love firsthand come near to them and explode them into this newness of life. And I think that the interesting part about these things is that the, the first part about the offense and the second part about 
taking it by violence, they're so connected. They're so connected. Because oftentimes what it looks like to take the kingdom by force or by violence is that when you're experiencing the thing that feels exactly counter to the word of God as to who he is, you go, no, 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 this is a time for me to dig in. And that's what violence looks like in that moment. It's like everything in my life that I'm looking at right now does not speak that this is who God is, but, but his promise says that this is who he is. And I'm violently by faith refusing to leave this rock. I refuse. And then other times, what it looks like is the pursuit of God with everything that you've got in other ways. You go, man, I'm just, I'm still depressed. And he says he's the one who releases me from depression. And I'm going to do everything I know how to do. I'm going to get my pastor to pray for me. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read my Bible. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to do something. And I think that's totally the response of the disciples half the time. I don't know what to do, but we've got to do something. And I think Jesus loves that response. <laughs> Are you laughing at me, baby? I think Jesus loves that response. I honestly, like, half the time, I don't think it needs to look like exactly the right thing. I think half the time it's just like, are you going to go after it? Are you going to be one of the violent ones? Like, are you going to push in? Is this going to be the thing that you do? Is this second or third on your list? Does it need to be number one? And so I felt like there's this other invitation for us that's just like, it almost doesn't even matter. Don't overcomplicate it. Make Jesus the one thing, and then whatever that looks like, go at it full force. If you feel prompted to fast, then fast. Don't spend like 18 days wondering if God wants you to fast. Right? Should I be spending more time with God? Yes. Go pray more. Should I be more vulnerable, vulnerable with my community? Because 1 John 1, 9 says that there's promises of release of like bondage in doing that vulnerability thing. Yes. Do it all. Right? The point is, be one of the violent ones. Be one of the poor. Be one of the ones that doesn't miss it because there's riches around us on every side. Be one of the ones that's like, yes. Whether I'm in offense right now and I just need to push through this offense and I refuse to move off of this, or man, God's offended me and I feel like he's revealing that there's something more here and I don't know what that is. Whatever it is, they're connected. Go after it. Full force. You don't even need to know what it looks like. You know, there's, there's testimonies galore coming out of Muslim nations right now where the truly earnest the ones who are like, I really want to know who God is, are having dreams and visions of Jesus. What is that? That is somebody seeking the wrong God. But he sees the heart and goes, I love your heart. You're going after the truth. You're going after the real deal. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to reveal who I am. Talk about seeking in the wrong direction. Right? It's like, God wants people that are hungry and seeking after him. And his promise is those who seek after him, he will reveal himself to those. And so there's got to be this, this fire in us that doesn't overcomplicate it, that's just like, yes, let's go. Let's do it. I'm going. The second thing, the, the last thing that I want to talk about in this, in this particular portion is Try your darndest not to enter a place of striving. If it means seeking and striving or not seeking because you're so worried about striving, then seek and strive and burn yourself out, and that's okay. It's way better than just not and like overcomplicating it and wondering if you're striving and then just sitting there and watching TV all day. 
The concept of striving is pursuing God in your own effort. The concept of striving is using your own strength to find out who God really is or to accomplish something significant in the name of God. That's the idea of striving. And the reason why I caution against it is because I've burned myself out a million times striving. But you know what? I wouldn't have the prayer life that I have today if I didn't strive. I wouldn't have the ministry that we have today if I didn't strive. I wouldn't have the joy that I have in the Lord if I didn't have moments of striving. Sometimes it's just better to go and do it the wrong way and burn out and go like, wow, that must have been like 50% my own effort. Holy Spirit, sorry. Like, I'll lean on you more next time. But he's like bragging on you like John the Baptist in those moments. Look at what they've done. Greatest ever. Look at them go. And so oftentimes it's like, just go. Like, try not to strive, but that's okay too. Just like go, you know? There is such a great reward of who Jesus really is on the other side of seeking him. And so let's just like not overcomplicate it. Let's just like, let's go after him. And as we go, he'll see the places where it's not working and you'll experience it because you'll be like, man, I'm not experiencing any life in that. Why am I burnt out? Oh, it's because I was doing it wrong. God's like, yeah, but here's the right way to do it. Nice job. I'll reward you anyway. So John the Baptist is such an awesome model for us in this. I love this passage of scripture because he's simultaneously the Elijah that's paving the highway for the God. Check this out. He's the one paving the highway for God, but he's also the one stumbling over him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that kind of just like how this life seems to go? Today I'm Gideon crushing the army with only like 300 soldiers with me. And the next day I'm the dude in the wine press who's scared, right? And I think that that's just kind of the life that we're living. We're not going to get it all right the first time. But we've got to remain hungry. We've got to remain violent. We've got to remain, even in the place of offense, we just push through it and we're like, yes, we're still going. We surround ourselves with community. It's like, man, I need you to give me a prophetic word. I need to hear what God's saying to me right now. I need to be edified, encouraged, and comforted. Like, I need that. And shamelessly getting prayer and shamelessly asking for help. Right? So often, I know people should be up here at the altar getting prayer and they're back there sitting in the pew. And I say this is us. Like, I do this stuff too. But we've got to just like determine to push through that stuff. Because the fullness of Jesus is on the other side. So let's do some prayer time. Uh, let's get the worship team up here. I really felt like there was a, a wonderful grace today to pray for people that were resonating with the themes that I was talking about today. I felt like people were going to get set free from offenses. I felt like people who wanted hungry, or uh, who are hungry to be hungry, were going to have a spark of fire lit in their belly to pursue God with a new, with a new fire and a new passion. And so we're going to get a bunch of prayer ministers up here if that's you, push through the crowd, shove somebody over, be the hungry one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but come get prayer. Come get prayer. I really believe that God's going to do some cool stuff in here. So let's go after it. I'll pray for us. We'll jump into worship, and then we'll open up the prayer altars. All right, let's pray. Let's all stand together, actually. Lord, I thank you so much, God, that you give us the real deal. 
in Scripture. That the heroes that you chronicle in Scripture aren't the ones, God, that just like never have bad days, that kind of sail through life above all this stuff. God, that the people that you chronicle in Scripture as the greatest in certain ways, God, are the ones that are human, have moments. And God, I thank you that you never give up. God, you never give up on us. You never give up on the journey. You never give up on this world. God, that you're constantly in the fight. You're constantly rooting us on. Your spirit is constantly available. The kingdom is still at hand. It's right here in front of us. God, and I thank you that the hungry, the violent still can take it by force, God. That the invitation still exists. That the kingdom is right here at hand and fullness of life and a mission to be a part of your kingdom advancing in this world is still right there, God. God, I pray that wherever people are at today, God, that your spirit would come and give us strength. You'd come and give us strength and you'd give us wisdom, God. Show us the way to move forward. I feel like there's so many hearts in here that are like, I want to know the way to move forward. Show me, show us the way to move forward to the real, authentic Jesus. No counterfeits, no idols, the real you, God. I pray that areas of our thinking that need adjusting, Lord, have mercy on us and adjust our thinking. Offend the mind to reveal the heart. Show us the areas where we need to be adjusted, God. God, in the areas where you're encouraging us to hold strong, to have faith, son and daughter, to don't lose your footing, just stand strong till the end, endure, push through. God, give us the strength. We can't do it without you. Give us the strength. Give us the reassurance. Give us the confidence to know that we're standing in truth. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask, God, that this just wouldn't be another message that, that goes forth. I pray that now that it would be real life for us, God, that this, this is like us being in prison like John, coming to the feet of Jesus, coming to Jesus and sending message and saying, help me understand, help strengthen me, help me know what the right path is, God. This is our action now saying, Jesus, we're coming to you. Help us understand, show us the way forward. In humility like the poor, we come to you and we say we desperately need you. We need you, God. We need you, God. Show us the way. You're the one that leads and guides into all truth. Give us a fire to earnestly seek you, God. Give us a fire to earnestly seek you, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor. We thank you that there's power in prayer, and we open up these altars for anybody who wants to come get prayer. God, I pray that there'd be power encounters up here as we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.